we started a series last week um, called Enough is Enough. And it's all about practicing some things, putting some things to practice in our life. And they are contentment, gratitude, and thanksgiving. And the more we practice, uh, the better we get at it. How that goes. We're, we're more prepared and we're, we're more ready for things that come. Now, 2020 has thrown us for a complete loop in every aspect that we know this year. And uh, as we uh, go about this year, many of us are still just struggling to get into the, those regular habits and get into those regular weekly routines that we have every single week that we have them. But um, I was reading a blog this last week. It was for uh, ministers and uh, they said, what should you expect in 2021? So I'm like, oh, good, you know, looking for some hope, looking for some encouragement. And the first two things that it, it listed that we can look forward to in 2021 is uncertainty and insecurity. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem very hopeful for the next year. <laughs> that's not how I like to look at life. I want to see, but I think that's what we've experienced this year. Enough instability, enough uncertainty and insecurity that that we've got to have something that we can tie ourselves to. We have to have an anchor that will hold us where we need to be. And so this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about contentment. Now, I want to ask you a couple questions as we get started. The first question is this. When you think of the word contentment, what comes to mind? When you hear the word contentment, what comes to mind? Is it a dollar amount in the bank, in your bank account? Is it uh, retirement money? Is it a relationship? Is it a parenting thing? What, what is contentment? When you hear that word, think about that for a moment. What do you think of? The next question I want to ask you is this. When you think of contentment, who comes to mind? Is there anybody in your life that you think of, and when you think of contentment, that you're like, that person is just a display of contentment. Now, as I said, 2020 has been kind of an odd year in a lot of different ways. Um, but this morning, we're going to really look at this idea of looking to God to really enrich our lives and our hearts rather than looking for inputs into our lives to give that to us. So I want to start off with a quote by C.S. Lewis. He's a theologian, studies God's word, just to study, uh, study the things of God. And here's what he said. He said, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Doesn't seem too encouraging, <laughs> does it? But we all know this is true. We're all looking for something or some things that we think are really going to make us happy. And this has been the story from the very beginning of time until the day of today. But here's what God really wants. God's heart for you and God's heart for me is this, is that your discontentment and my discontentment would lead us back to the source of life and true contentment, which is in God. I'm a little bit older than some of you in this room. There was a song in the 80s by U2 called, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. And it's this idea, and, and this is really mankind's search. We're searching for significance. We're searching for those things that will make us happy, that will make life fulfilling, that will make us feel significance in life. And, and the starting point of all of that has to be with God, and, and I want to lay my case out for you over the next several minutes. But when we think of this idea of contentment, biblical, from a biblical standpoint, it's really this. B 
Biblical contentment is an enduring, say enduring, enduring satisfaction and pleasure. It's not something based off of a circumstance. It's something that follows through. It goes through from beginning to end. It it endures anything and everything. It endures the good and the bad. It endures 2020s. But think about this. We get to see pictures of this in our life, don't we? We get to see moments of satisfaction in life. Moments where we, we, we experience something and we just feel that in, intense satisfaction. Maybe you have a, a work project. Maybe you have a, uh, a home project, a work project, whatever it is. You put your, t- your, your blood, sweat, and tears into it and, and you get done with it and you're satisfied by your work. You're just thankful. You're grateful of, of all of this. I accomplished something. There's satisfaction that comes with that. Think of what brings you real satisfaction in life. Um, last night, we went out for dinner. Uh, someone had given us a, a gift card to Outback for Pastor Appreciation Day. And, and uh, have you ever just eaten a meal before and you get done eating and you're like, oh, that was so satisfying. That was so good. Last night I went and I got a, a nice juicy steak cooked really, really well. Not like really well. They just cooked. They did a good job cooking it. And, um, and then I got this baked potato that had this big clump of butter on top of it. And then I had a Caesar salad, which offset, I think, the baked, I think that's how it works. It offset the baked potato, kind of like, have you ever gone to McDonald's? You're like, I'll have a large fry and a Diet Coke, you know, one of those. We think these things offset. But anyway, I I left and I was so full. It was such good food. I'm a little bit of a nighttime snacker. And there's Halloween candy all over our house. And I didn't even eat a Reese's peanut butter cup when I got home. I was satisfied. You know what that's like. You know, Thanksgiving, you're just satisfied by it. We get these little glimpses, you know. It's when your kid goes to school and they, they do something. Their, their teacher sends a note home and say, oh, little Timmy did this great thing and his friend got hurt and he stood by him and just, he, he, he even prayed with him and all this stuff. And as a parent, you're like, oh man, it's just so satisfying. And then the letter goes on and say later he stuck a crayon up another friend's nose and, you know. All these things. But we have, we have snapshots of satisfaction and pleasure in our life. But ultimately, God has this enduring satisfaction that goes with us for all of life. I want to read Proverbs chapter 19, verse 23 to you. I, I love this verse. Before I read it to you, it talks about the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is really this idea. It's really this reverence, this awe of God and an honor of God. And, and here's what the verse says. It says the fear of the Lord or that, that honor, that, that majesty, that, that reverence and respect we have for God. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. I love this verse because it's the fear of the Lord. And later we're going to talk about the trust in God, which we talked a little bit about last week. The more we, we put our trust in God, the more content we, contentment we have in our lives. But this fear of the Lord, this trust in the Lord, it leads to true life. And then when we experience that, we can really have rest. We can have less stress in our lives, less concern and worry in our lives. Untouched by trouble. I love the way that it's phrased there. This doesn't mean that trouble doesn't happen. In fact, Jesus made a promise to us. He promised us that we would experience trouble on this earth. 
He didn't say you might. He said you will experience trouble. But when we experience trouble and we have God in our life, it looks totally different. It can look totally different. It doesn't shake us the way that other people might be shaken. If you have a Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 4 today. That's going to be our main main text today. May, uh, Philippians chapter 4, 10 through 13. As we talk about contentment, here's Paul handcuffed to someone who's uh, likely penning these words for us today. But he's in prison. He's not writing to us from a mansion. He's not writing to us uh, driving down the street in a Mercedes Benz. He's not, he's not writing to us from a good place. He's in, he's in prison. And he says this, I rejoice greatly, verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you re- renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. He's speaking, these people had given him provision so that he could continue the work of the Lord. And these were people who were poor. And he, he, he saw that in their, their inability to give from, from being poor, they gave above and beyond so that he could continue to work, to do the work of the ministry. Verse 11, he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in want or, or really that I need any more money or provisions. He says, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. Look at this. I have learned the secret of being content in life. If he's learned something that's important, we should lean in here. I've learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 13, I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13, it's a, it's a coffee cup verse. It's a tattoo verse, right? People get tattooed. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's kind of this verse that people look at and they think to themselves, okay, I've got the game-winning shot. I can do all things through Christ. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about, I'm in jail. I'm imprisoned unjustly. I know what it's like to have little. I know what it's like to have a lot. It says, those circumstances do not change these things. And they don't change these three things. One, his obedience to God. Our obedience to God does not change based off of our income status or our social status. We can be obedient to God in any and every situation. The good and the bad and the ugly. The other thing it didn't change is his service to God and his service to others. Even though he was here locked up in jail, it didn't stop him serving people. In fact, today, as we look at these scriptures, and as you might be reading these in personal study, he's serving you as a believer in Jesus because he was obedient to do this. And so even though he knows what it's like to have little or or a lot, to be well-fed or hungry, I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be obedient. I can serve God. I can serve others. In other words, commitment, or excuse me, contentment has nothing to do with our relationship status, whether or not you have kids, the size of your paycheck, your job title, your physical stature, the zip code you live in, the GPA you might have had or the test scores that you had, or your social media followers. Contentment has nothing to do with that. Think it's if I just reach this thing, then I'll be content. So where does contentment come from? If it doesn't come from those things, where does it come from? Many of us are trying to find contentment 
through inputs. If I just have this thing or if I just experienced this thing, if I just had this job, if I just had this amount in my bank account, if I just married this person or if I just, whatever it might be, if I just, it's an input and that's what's going to bring me contentment. And we get so busy looking for these things, all the while true contentment comes from fellowship with the creator of the world. It comes from real deep meaningful relationship with God so starting from any other place than the fear of the Lord and trusting in the Lord will guarantee that true lasting contentment will elude you because you're looking for it in something else and God says I'm enough start with me and then all of those other things and here's the way I look at it right or wrong I look at it as I have God in my life, and every other thing that I have in my life is icing on the cake. It's extra that God has given to me through his love for me, his care, his concern, and he knows my needs and my heart and my desires and all those things. And anything and everything he gives me above himself is really a blessing, and it's his goodness in my life. So contentment is born out of fellowship and relationship with God. We can't manufacture it. It's being satisfied in God, in God alone. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Being content for some is settling for the status quo. Some of you in here are very ambitious. Some of you in here, you have a lot of initiative in life to, to do things that might be business or, or family, whatever it is. We have a lot of, we, we have a lot of ambition. And though, I, I don't believe that he's saying those are, those are wrong things. That's not what this is saying. Sometimes we like to dress up our discontentment and, and, and we give it names like ambition and initiative and all of those things, aspiration. Um, we try to make our discontentment a virtue. And we try to, try to make it seem like it's something that is fulfilling to life when it's, well, if I just get this thing, then, then I've reached the goal. I've reached this status. I've gotten this many sales or I've done this many things. And it's, it's like this endless bucket list that we have. And what it comes down to in many cases, underneath all of that is a discontentment inside. I remember there was a quarterback who won a Super Bowl. And after he won the Super Bowl, he thought it was going to just give him so much fulfillment. And after he had won the Super Bowl, he realized just a few short weeks later, this isn't as fulfilling as I thought it would be. Even Tom Brady, who's one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback ever with six rings, he, when you ask him, which one was your favorite ring, he'll always say, it's the next one. <laughs> He's discontent until he feels like he has all that he wants. And here's what we need to understand. Discontentment can be sinful in our lives. Sometimes our contentment communicates to God and communicates to this world that's watching us that Jesus isn't enough for me. And that's not the message that we want to send to God. It's definitely not the message we want to send to others. So I want to share a few things with you and I want you to understand my heart this morning is to I want to I share some things. They're not meant to be condemning. They're not meant to be harsh. They're not meant to be that at all. But I want to give a few reasons why we might be experiencing some discontentment and maybe not having the meaningful 
contentment we can have in God. So here's the first reason. We don't experience contentment because we have a hard time believing God. We have a hard time trusting God. Our lives get turned upside down when a crisis hits or when we lose that job or when we have loss in our lives. We, we have a hard time believing that God has a plan and a purpose. And Paul is saying to us here, he's learned that contentment has nothing to do with the circumstances around him, which is the exact opposite, I feel, of what, how we live our lives. And it has everything to do with your perspective on Jesus. As Pastor Tyler was sharing that story about that gentleman who lost kind of everything, had almost not like a Job-like experience where he lost everything and still believed that God was good in his life. You have to have a contentment in God to believe that when you experience those things. But I can guarantee you he had things happen in his life before and he was grounded enough in his faith that when those things came, his perspective on Jesus didn't change. And that's where we need to find our lives and find ourselves, that our, our perspective on Jesus does not change based on circumstances. Number two, we don't experience contentment because our minds can be set on the wrong things. Uh, it's simply just a lack of, of focus. We focus on things that we ought not to rather than focusing on Jesus to bring us true joy. I don't know if anybody in here has bought a new car recently, but uh, typically, before, I would assume, most of us, before buying a new car, you might look at vehicles. You might narrow it down. Well, I like this vehicle. I like this vehicle. I've got it narrowed down to these two vehicles. And then I can guarantee you what's going to happen when you have it narrowed down to those two vehicles. Everywhere you drive in Sioux City, you're going to see those vehicles. And then you're going to see the different varieties and options that they might have. And you're more aware of it. Your focus is on those things. And so wherever you look, you see those things. And it's the same way in life. What we give our attention to and our focus to, if we're looking for things to give us joy outside of God, we'll focus on those wrong things. Okay? And Jesus says, you can be satisfied in me and me alone. The third thing is this. We don't experience contentment because we're convinced that we're the exception. We acknowledge that contentment is, is unhinged from our circumstances. We can get on board with that. But that's just for everyone else. It's particularly true when it comes to our contentment regarding our, our possessions and, and our money. We read warning passages all over the Bible. We know that they're supposed to apply to us, and yet we think that we're different. We think that the next you fill in the blank of what you may want or desire is going to fill that hole in your heart. It's going to fill that desire that's going to give you true fulfillment in, in life. This is also true of, of sin. We have an easier time seeing other people's sin than our own sin, don't we? We have a, an easier time talking about other people's sin than talking about our own sin and going to God for that forgiveness. Uh, there's a gentleman, he's a historian, Arthur Schlesinger Jr. He said this. He said, our society is marked by inex inextinguishable discontent. I want to read what he said. It's too long to put on the, the screen. He said, our quest is better and what's next? We want a better job with better pay and a better boss. We want better relationships and a better car, better backhand in tennis or a longer drive in golf. 
and we have the propensity to live endlessly for the next thing, the next weekend, the next vacation, the next purchase, and the next experience. We are never satisfied, never content, and envious of those who have what we have not attained or accumulated. Does that sound familiar? It's a picture of our society. It can be a picture of us as believers, and we don't want to to do that. And what happens is we have a lack of contentment when we look horizontally, okay? So what happens is we look at each other's lives, and we see what other people have. You get on social media, and you see, man, how is it that they've taken seven vacations in the last year, and we haven't taken one in the last seven years? (laughs) Like... We look, we, we look horizontally at what everybody else is doing and then we, we make judgments about ourselves or judgments about other people there. But our lack of contentment causes us to look horizontally where contentment, contentment it invites you and it invites me to look vertically to God. And when we look at God, when we look at his direction, regardless of what we have or don't have, or the status we lack, we realize that he's enough. It's a miracle. So I want to encourage you, if you find yourself here, comparing your life to other people's lives, you need to maybe set your direction vertically. One of the reasons why suicide is so high among teens is that exact reason. They're looking at this peer level and all of the friends that they're, all of the things that the, the people that they know have, all of the things that they don't have, and, and it's not just students, it's, it's across the board. John Stott says this, I love this quote, he said, Contentment is the secret to inward peace. It remembers the stark truth that we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. So we should travel light and live simply. This is very close to what we see in, in First, uh, First Thessalonians this, this idea of living simply and not having to have all of these things. We brought nothing, we're going to take nothing from this world. So for the Christian, contentment knows that if we have Jesus, we have enough. We have everything that we really need. There was a book written several years ago, and, and it was a simple title. It was Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And if we really have this mentality that that my trust in God, my fear of the Lord, my contentment in God is where it should be and my foundations in God, all those other things will fall into place. The circumstances that we face will look much differently. But what Paul teaches us is that this is learned. You learn this over time. You don't just get contentment by, by saying, I want to be a more content person. That's not how it happens. Look what Paul said. He said uh, in in the verses that we read earlier, he says, um, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. It was a process. We can't look at Paul as like the very first time he experienced something difficult that, oh, I'm content. It's something he learned over time. I was reading a story about a a missionary to Tobago and and, uh, on the mission trip, they encountered a a woman and here's, here's the story. It says, on the final day, the missionary was leading worship in a leper colony. He asked if anyone had a favorite song, and when he did, a woman turned around. And when, and when she did, he saw the most disfigured face he'd ever seen. 
She had no ears, no nose, her lips were gone, but she raised her fingerless hand and asked, could we sing, count your many blessings? See, that's a woman who knows what contentment is. We live in a country right now where we have so much more than what the rest of the world has. And practicing contentment and gratitude and thanksgiving have got to be a part of our regular lives because they'll prepare us for moments like that lady had when she had nothing and still said, I'm going to count my blessings. So I want to ask you a couple questions here as we get ready to close. The first question is this. What is the one thing that's separating you from true joy? What's keeping you from real joy? Maybe it's one thing, maybe it's a few things. Really, it comes down to this question on the screen. You can ask, how would you fill in the blank? I will be happy when you fill that in. When I'm healed, when I'm promoted, when I'm married, when I'm single, when I'm rich. How would you finish this statement? Here's what God is trying to tell you and me today is that contentment is not based on external circumstances, but rather on an internal source. That contentment is a matter of the heart. Contentment is a reflection of what's going on in here. And I don't know about you, but I've spent a good chunk of my life chasing after things that I think are going to make me happy. If I just get that thing, I'll be happy. I know I mentioned it last last week. After the, the Cubs won the World Series, I was so happy. But guess what? A few days later, who cares? It didn't change my life. It was awesome. I loved it. It didn't change the person who I was. It didn't change anything for me. As much as I was glad that they won. Contentment is something that happens in here. It isn't a national championship ring or salesman of the decade whatever it is that we're trying to attain. I was reading a, a commentary, and I, I want to read this. I know it's a long quote, but I, I just feel like it's such a, a powerful quote, and then, then we'll close. It says, Contentment has learned the lesson that Jesus is enough. If you know Jesus, you have a God who hears you, the power of love behind you, and the Holy Spirit within you, and all of heaven ahead of you. If you have Jesus, you have grace for every sin, direction for every turn, a candle for every corner, and an anchor for every storm. You have everything you need. What a great description of the kind of God that we serve and the kind of God that you and I can have fellowship and relationship with. I'm going to end with the, the quote I read earlier. It says, God's heart for you is that your contentment would lead you back to the source of life and true contentment, which is himself, which is God. I mentioned it earlier, but for some of you, when you hear the word contentment, you think of status quo. You think of settling for something less than what could be. When you work your job, if you have a job that depends on your work ethic, and you know, I'm not saying we don't work hard and you just lollygag all day and say, well, I'm just content, whatever's going to happen. No, what it means is, is that you bust your butt and you work as hard as you possibly can and you didn't get that sale. 
and God's still good, and God's still that firm foundation for you. It also means when you bust your butt and you do get that sale and you have all things happen, God's still good. It's kind of the Job situation where he says, "What sh- should we not be be grateful to God for the good things and the bad things? They're all they're all going to happen in our lives, and so we need to find contentment outside of our circumstances and in God alone." Many of you are like me. I'm not trying to generalize generalize you or judge you. We're all looking for something in life. We're looking for things that will bring happiness and contentment in our life. And some of you in here, maybe you've been looking around at this world, you've been looking for things all your life that will bring you that joy and bring you that contentment. And I'll tell you this, you can search and you can, you can have really great things in your life. You can have great possessions. You can have the nicest house in Siouxland. It will not bring you the contentment that only God can. It will not bring you the fulfillment that you need in your life outside of God. So I know what it's like to search high and low for happiness. I know what it's like to try to fill your life with, if I just have this thing, my life will be better. And what I've experienced in my life is I can search high and low for those things. I can pay a lot of money for those things, but they don't really bring the happiness that I was going for or the joy. But having God in my life changed everything for me because helps me to understand even when things don't go great, even when things are difficult, when things are hard, I can be content because I have a God who loves me, who has a plan for me, who cares about me and my family and the people around me, and he gives me everything that I truly need.